Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is The Greatest Gift, Part 1, Walk Away, recorded Sunday, December 4th, 2022. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Scott with today's message. I think that, that uh, this time of year, there's so many good things we can talk about, and uh, gift giving is a big thing. Let, let's face it. Not gift giving, but gift giving. Gift giving is a big thing too now for some reason. But I was thinking about this in my childhood, how there was this particularly t- difficult time that personally I was going through. We were, I was like nine years old. We had moved from this idyllic small town in Iowa, Woodbine, Iowa, because my dad needed to work. And so we, we went to Omaha, just you know, 30, 30 minutes away. But it changed everything for me. It was just it was a very challenging thing for a kid to be pulled out of a small town into a big city. Uh, all, everything I knew about life had happened in that small town. My cousins lived there. Family was there. Friends were there. I loved the, I loved the community. I felt like I was the mayor of the town, to be honest. I ran the town. That's how I felt about it. And then we moved to this big city. And so it really turned my world upside down for a period of time. And uh, remember, like, if you're my age, you'll know what I'm talking about, but you'd, you'd go to school, then you'd come home, and you'd turn on the, the television. You had three channels, if it worked right. And uh, I would watch shows like uh, Bewitched and uh, Gilligan's Island and Looney Tunes, of course. And, and it was kind of the, the traditional thing that kids would do. And, of course, during this time, the commercials would just hit big time to sell us toys. And, and, and the toy that, that came up during that dark time of my life that I wanted was Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Anyone? I mean, oh yeah, yeah, you know it. I mean, they were amazing. Like, of course, on TV, they're really amazing. And so my brother and I, that was the great gift we thought. So we asked, you know, unrelentingly, we asked our parents for that gift. And and, and, and then, you know, when we opened the presents, sure enough, uh, we, we received the, the gift, you know, rock'em, sock'em, robots. And, you know, I know it's just a cheap little plastic toy, but it, a gift for the right time in the right circumstance just brings a little hope, you know. And I think we need to understand that, that in the darkness that Jesus entered into and in that dark time, he brought some hope. And it was a tough time in the world. At the, at the turn of the first century, it was difficult. That's why when it says that they followed a star to find him, there's something very important and, symbol, and symbolic about the fact that's light entering into a dark time. Like, first of all, when Jesus was born, the word of God had not been heard from for 500 years. It had been 500 years since the Old Testament Scriptures ended and the New Testament began. And so the Talmud written in 500 BC says, after the latter prophets, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi had died, the Holy Spirit departed from Israel. The people were walking in silence and darkness. Another thing is the people of God were under oppressive rule. The Roman Empire had its sway. In Luke chapter 2, Verse 1, it says that the, the Caesar at the time, Caesar Augustus, had issued that there be a decree 
that goes out that the, the entire Roman world would, would you know, that, that there would be a census taken and the purpose was to tax people. And it was because Rome, again, wanted to make sure the entire Roman Empire and especially that little zone where Jesus was, where he came into the world, that that's owned by Rome. We own you. It, it's, a, it's a political statement to say, you're ours. And so it was a dark time for the people of Israel. And, and going on beyond that, Herod, who was the reigning king at that time, he was a descendant of Esau, not Jacob, meaning he was himself not one of them. And, and he ruled that way. Believe me, he was a tyrant. It was a dark time for that nation and for those people. Another thing, and you know this because you've heard the stories and you've seen the movies, but the birth of Jesus came through a virgin. Now, in our day, we, you know, when we celebrate Mary and Joseph and Jesus, it's a nativity scene or it's, you know, it's these beautiful images of a young mother who's holding you know, a baby with a halo around its head. And you know, it's a pretty amazing thing. But in their day, they weren't welcome that way. As a matter of fact, Mary would have been considered scandalous in her day. It would not have been unusual for a woman to show up pregnant and her village would ostracize her and maybe even stone her to death. That's how they were treated in that day. And by the way, they brought poverty into the mix because they, they, they didn't, even though they were the, you know, Joseph and Mary were the ones who brought this king before us, he wasn't a king then. He wasn't considered a king. He wasn't considered royalty. And so uh, they didn't have bargaining power when they went to Bethlehem and made that journey 100 miles to, uh, you know, to, to be counted in a census. They didn't have any money. They couldn't put two nickels together to buy a place for Mary to have a baby. And so, of course, you know the story. There's a stable and there's a manger. Without a family, without hospitality... It was a dark time for them, a hard time, a difficult time. And another thing, this Herod was a very hostile king. I mean, Satan tried to kill Jesus through this man, Herod. Poverty wasn't his, their only source of darkness. It was just this oppressiveness that came from a, from a ruler who was paranoid and wanted to destroy this threat to his throne. And that brings a lot of darkness and fear into a person's life to think about that. Now, with that in mind, let me just read to you from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, and let's talk about what it means to bring the right gift at the right time. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born, and the experts told him, in Bethlehem in Judea, for this is what the prophet had written, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared. 
he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Now again, this was a paranoid power hound. We know this about Herod historically. He had several of his own family members executed because he saw them as some form of threat to his throne. So it was nothing for him to say, I'm just going to eliminate this threat. And that's what he intended to do. It says in verse 16, Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. He sent and killed all the... He sent emissaries and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. This is a dark, dark time in the history of that nation. And it came at the time when Jesus came into the world and God sent this, 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 this beaming light into a, a world that was desperate. John 1 says, the true light which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. Yet, the world did not know him. Now, I just want to pause for a minute because I think that when we come into a place like this and we talk about this story especially, and especially at this time of of the year, there's a lot of different responses that people have to the story of Jesus coming into the world. And I, I, I would suggest that there's probably people here today that you're on your last rope, you know, you're on your last leg, you're, you're hanging on to the end of the rope. Like, you know, you're, you're dealing with something very difficult in your life. Maybe it's, it's some kind of grief or loss. Maybe it's some kind of depression that, that gets to you in this season of time and, and you just deal with depression in a deeper way than any other time during the year. Or, or maybe you're just trying to figure out what it means to really have God in our world. And, and you'd like to believe that, that he has come and he's shining, but you're just not seeing it. I, I, and that could be you, or you could be a person who's like, no, that's not me at all. I'm, I, I'm, in, I'm in a good place with God. I'm in a healthy place understanding this light. I don't know, but here's what I want you to know. Whatever you're experiencing, he understands. Because he came into a time and a place that was challenging, deeply challenging, and he made a difference. Now, these magi, just briefly, who were these people? They were likely seers in the royal court of a foreign nation. They would be considered advisors to other emissaries or kings. Uh, They were magicians, oftentimes. They were astrologers. They were experts in agronomy and in the calendar. Uh, they, were, they were advisors. And uh, the prophet Isaiah talks about uh, how, how it was important for gifts to be brought to this king and, and, uh, and, and how that in this moment there would be a light that would shine. Nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. It's a prophecy about Jesus. And, and I want you to know that that that. that these magi, they represent the lens of, of, of foreign missions, of global missions, because it, they show us that Jesus was not just a king for a locale or for a little nation in the Middle East, that Jesus, this king, is a global king. He's an international king. He's the universe's king. Uh, verse 6 in chapter 60 of Isaiah 
They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news and the praises of the Lord. They brought these gifts because they saw this mission as being much bigger than just one place and one time. And I just, again, I want to remind you of who we are as a church, as the body of Christ on earth. We're not just a locale. We're not just a regional emphasis or a regional influence. We're not just a couple congregations in the Midwest. We are the church of the living God that brings the hope to the world. That is our mission. That is our mission as a church. The unlimited love, we're like a flashlight that's shining light into a dark world. And we need to always have that attitude about the church or else we miss the whole point of a baby who came into a a locale in a certain time in a certain place to change the world. Because the right kind of gift brings hope to the darkest of places. The right kind of gift changes everything. Now, just a couple points about that. First of all, Jesus is the greatest gift to us. I think we all would agree with that, at least if we are people of faith. It says, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? And that sounds like, you know, that's like a localized king, a a regional king. And that might not be that great of a thing. Somewhere alive in America today, there are probably three or four children who might end up the president of the United States. And I don't think anyone's trying to find them right now. However, politics are weird, so maybe they are. But the fact is that nobody cares about that until it's time for a king to be crowned or a president or whatever. But verse 4 makes it clear that these magis, what they really mean by king of the Jews, because Herod, it says he gathered together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, so he's the puppet king of the Jews, and he asked these magi, where is this Messiah to be born? That's a bigger word. Messiah means not just the regional guy, the local king, but it means the guy, the, the savior of all, okay? So it's obvious the last thing Herod was looking for was his replacement. He didn't even know the simple scriptures about where this Messiah was to be born. So he pulled in his experts, the scribes, the Pharisees, the, you know, the teachers of the law, and he asked them about it. And they said, well, Bethlehem. Bethlehem in, in Judea. That's where this is going to happen. And they quoted the scripture. And I will say that's not very extraordinary either because those same scribes, Pharisees, and teachers of the law, they didn't do anything else with it. Like they said, oh, here's where it's going to happen. And then they just went on with their daily lives, like big deal. And so the first truth, and this is why the Magi came, is because they had discovered the king of kings and they needed to open that path. No one else was going to do it. Now, here's the second thing. Jesus is God's greatest gift to all the nations on the earth. Now, we've already established this to some level. But the first worshipers of the king of kings were not from Israel. As a matter of fact, all through his life, Israel would reject him. That's not what happened here. These were Gentiles. They were probably from Iran, to be honest, from Babylon, At the end of Matthew, the last words of Jesus are, all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus is not merely the king of Israel. He's the king of all people. 
He's not just some regional leader or who did something for a certain group of people. And we need to expand on that thought, I think, in a little bit, because Isaiah 63 says, nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. I love that passage. I love that verse. Nations will come to your light, Jesus, and all the kings to the brightness of your rising. So Jesus is not our local king. He's not our particular church king. He's not our uniquely third city king or uniquely American king either. I mean, it's just something that's remarkable about this idea that he's for all people. A couple weeks ago, some of us, 20 of us, went to Nairobi, Kenya. and, And if you've been around here, Many of you are involved in that mission. And, and I just want you to know, if you're supporting a child, if you're somehow being generous toward the building of the school that we're building there, you are changing the world. You are changing the world. I want you to know that. But, but why is Third City there? I mean, because we can invest time, energy, and resources in many different places. We could do, you know, we can, and we're doing things here. We're doing things in Southeast Asia, by the way. We're doing some things in Central America. We're doing some things in other places around the globe. We're doing things on campuses in the state of Nebraska with college students. But why are 450 families in this church sponsoring kids in, in the slums of Nairobi? Maybe this can give you a little glimpse into why that's important. Watch this. What you're looking at is the beginning point, the foundation for the school that will rise from this location that will house over 900 students in Karobangi. You're seeing the first, very first steps of that building after a lot of sacrifice to purchase ground and to put up temporary buildings to house the school that now has 450 students in it. It will become 900 plus in just a few short years as this structure rises. There's roughly 80,000 people that live in this zone. And so you can figure that about half of them could use the services of the schools that Missions of Hope International builds. This is Karyobangi. This is a location where about 80,000 people live. It's a beautiful neighborhood, but has lots of problems, lots, lots of challenges. The challenges have to do with insecurity that children face every day. Outside this door, there's a lot of insecurity, a lot of danger. Inside this gate, there's hope, there's help, there's, there's transformation. That's why we're so in tune with this neighborhood and with this school. So, again, why are we there, you know? Why are we in Kenya? Because Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, not just in Hall County, not just in Buffalo County, not just in 
uh, not just in Broken Bow or in, on, you know, in, in our region, but everywhere where we go, we go with him. And that points out another truth about this great gift for our, for our world. God's greatest gift is not going to be received by those unwilling to walk away from lesser things. Again, these magi, it's, it's really inescapable as you look at their story. There's, these are people who left homes, families, and livelihoods to, to worship Jesus and to bring him a gift. That's really the bottom line. Now, there are people uh, during Christmas time who, who will do anything but that. I mean, to be honest, there are people who, who will refuse to worship the King of Kings just like Herod did. The first kind of person who is a person who simply will do nothing with Jesus. Like they, you know, for this person, Christmas is Xmas and, and you know, it's, it's really more about the traditions that come into Christmas that have nothing to do with Christ rather than, you know, it's the holiday season for you, okay? It's like, you know, you're going to mix it together with Thanksgiving and, and Kwanzaa and, you know, New Year's Day and whatever else. And then it's all these family traditions that you've developed over the years to celebrate something. And I call that indifference. Like, that's what we see with these chief priests and scribes of the people who said, here's where it's going to happen. And then they went on with their daily lives. Like, nothing would change. And they, they missed the whole point because of their indifference to Jesus. They were unwilling to set aside their things for the greater thing. Now, there's another type of person who will not worship Jesus, and that's the person who is threatened by Jesus. And so they become hostile to Christ. That's Herod, a man who became hostile because he saw Jesus as a personal threat. And you're thinking, well, that's not me. I'm not, I'm not indifferent about, about Jesus at Christmas, and I'm certainly not hostile or threatened by him. But, you know, indifference and personal threat, they look like different things than maybe we might think. Like, indifference can be seen in our tendency to have to water down Christianity at Christmas and to just make it to be like another part of what we're doing, you know, just another little thing that we do during December. And even the gift giving we, we, get, we, we engage in sometimes just loses the whole point of what this means to us in real life, to have a Jesus, a king who we, who we, who we worship and we serve, Right? And then there are those who say, you know, like, you know, he is kind of a threat to me because what you're saying to me, if I hear you right, is that I somehow have to come to him and do life his way. And I'm just not willing to do that. And so therefore, I'll do this. Stay away from me. That's a threat to me. I want you to consider that for a minute. How can the right gift make a difference? For these magi, they brought the right kind of gifts because it started with the right heart. Gifts that represent where worship of him really stands, it has to be a heart thing. It really does. And, and look at, I want you to see something in verse 10. This is chapter 2 of Matthew, verse 10. When they saw these magi, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. That's like a, that's three, that's a quadruple way of saying they were happy like when they saw this light. It, they were so happy because they had found something, something really important, something that, re, re, you know, that, that created great joy 
And then they left behind homes and their nation, and they found him. And, and I can't avoid the idea that our worship of Jesus at Christmas, it has to start with overwhelming joy, with, with internal gratitude of, of, of unrelenting, exceeding joy that God has done this for us. And, and I think this is evident in their journey. I think it's evident in their willingness to leave behind some things. I think they brought these perfect gifts that we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks. Because when we bring gifts to Jesus, does he really need our gift? Does God need our giving? Yes or no? No. It's all his. I think we need to give. I think we need to be generous for, because there's reasons that, for, you know, that God understands more clearly than we do that our giving, it, it produces something really important in us. But the fact is, Jesus didn't need gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But what he needed was for people to come to him and worship him because he knew what they needed. It was for them more than for him. Now, God will be worshiped, and God is worshiped. He doesn't even need human beings to do that. All the heavens worship him. But let me go back to those red and blue plastic robots for a second. As I recall, my brother and I, were, we were happy about the gift. And if I remember correctly, I probably don't. But they lasted for like three days. I don't know, a week. Like, you know, they were junk, okay? They were plastic junk that broke within hours. Like, like the lifespan of a rock'em, sock'em robot is, is like three days. But you know what's lasted for 50 years? At least for me. It's the gratitude of a kid whose parents wanted to give him something that would help break down the darkness that he was experiencing in his life at that time. And that's what love does. Love just says, what can I give? How can I make a difference? How can I show Jesus that he's treasured, he's valued, that he's the king, and that I'm going to go forward with him. I'm going to leave behind whatever it is that keeps me from worshiping him. Lord, as we commune, it's a reminder that you gave your one and only son. You gave him. You didn't have to. The universe would have went on without that gift. But what would have died would have been us would have been would have been the souls that you've created in us what would have died would have been the hope that Jesus' coming brings us and the opportunity that reciprocating to that love affords so Lord as we commune we rejoice exceedingly overwhelmingly re rejoice in a God who loves that way. And as we give, we respond in rejoicing. That's what's behind our gift, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Maybe today, like if when you think about 
how, how this message can impact you. This message from these ancient travelers who left everything to come and worship Jesus. I mean, think about the fact that all the nations bow before him. Whether or not they're acknowledging that, or we are even. The whole world bows to him. So when we leave anything behind that says that, it makes a difference. It makes an impact. I mean, for you, it might be as simple as this. You have been running from him. You know, instead of, you know, leaving behind things to find him, you've been, you've been running from him. And so for you, the first step of worship for you is to say, I'm coming. I've been running for too long. And I'm going to come and I'm going to put my life before you. I'm going to worship you, Jesus. And the Bible makes it clear when we come to him, he receives us and he accepts us without question. Now, for those of you who are Christians, I want to talk to Christians now. If you're not a Christian, you can tune this out. You can just, you know, check your phone or something. I don't know. Don't do that. But, but for those of you who are Christians, we serve a king. And that king is Jesus. And that means that we're a part of his family. We're a part of the body of Jesus Christ on earth, the church. I'm not ashamed of that. Are you ashamed of that? I'm not. I'm grateful. I'm grateful that God has given me people to do life with in a way that can do great things. Things that go far beyond anything I personally can do. Like, for instance, if I could do it myself, I would build schools in Kenya. I, I would personally, with the wealth that is in my, at my disposal, if I had it, I would do that. I can't. But we can. We, you know, we can build a school at, in Nairobi, we, and we are doing that. We can make sure that, that 450 kids get hope, and we're doing that because together God's working in our lives. And so it's not just there. It's, it's what we want to do in our community in Grand Island where we know that kids need hope here too. And so our ministries, we, we fund many ministries here that support families and kids, as you well know. And so we want to finish out strong in 2022 with generosity because when the church is generous, people's lives change. And we are seeing it all around us in the church we worship in. We want to do everything we can to be generous so that we can make a difference. And for, for some people here, you're already doing that in a big way. We had someone that gave a challenge gift to us this past year to build our school in Kenya. They gave a $50,000 challenge gift. We matched that gift. We built the first two floors of that school. We'd like to do that. We want to give scholarships to kids in our community so they can come to our Connect program because we know that that brings hope to kids. There's a lot of ways that we can give, but the fact is it has to start with generosity from gratitude, from the joy that's within us. These, these magi, again, remember what happened? They, they had exceedingly great joy, and it compelled them to go make a difference, to bring a gift. So if you want to make a special gift or if you basically want to give generously to the church, that will go a long way in seeing that 
God's work gets done in this world. And we appreciate it. Thank you for being that kind of person. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.